The clock is ticking in the fight against climate change, and the battles are being played out in various different arenas. We've seen the fight against climate change on the streets by Extinction Rebellion. We've seen green parties and environmental activists in our parliaments. And increasingly, NGOs and campaigning organizations are turning to the courts to try to challenge governments in action. In this episode of Legally Fund, we discuss the seminal Supreme Court judgment delivered in the Friends of the Irish Environment case. We explain why the government's climate action plan was struck down by the Supreme Court and explore what this means for Ireland's fight against climate change. With the coalition government facing ever-increasing pressure to tackle climate change in Ireland, how does this judgment affect Ireland's plan to be carbon neutral by 2050? Welcome to Season 3 of Legally Fond, in association with LawSchool.ie. LawSchool.ie is Ireland's leading provider of tuition for the FE1 or King's Inns entrance exams. Each course is delivered live online, with a specific exam focus, and supported by the latest manuals. Shorter pre-recorded workshops are also available. Courses commence in June and November, and you can register anytime at LawSchool.ie. For the duration of this season, we're giving away a free subject course worth €355, which can be used for any FE1 or King's Inns prep course subject with lawschool.ie. For your chance to win that, head to our Instagram. It's legally underscore fond. And this week, we've got your chance to win an equity textbook with thanks to Claris Press. I'll tell you a little later on in the episode how you can win that. Pierce, this is known as the Friends of the Irish Environment case. Can you give us an idea of how it came about and what it dealt with? In 2015, the government passed the Climate Action and Low Carbon Development Act, under which a plan was subsequently adopted in 2017 to reach the zero carbon emissions goal of the government by 2050. This was challenged by the Environmental Protection Group, Irish Friends of the Environment, who said that the statutory plan that was adopted in 2017 failed to reach the level of specificity required under the 2015 Act. The current coalition government, um, as it stands, has committed to reducing overall greenhouse gas emissions in Ireland by 7% per annum. Um, The overall goal being to achieve a zero carbon emissions society by 2050. The plan that was put forward was characterised by the Chief Justice Frank Clark as excessively vague or aspirational, which essentially means it was a kind of general overview of this endeavour, but there were no specific measures set out as to how they're going to achieve this goal. So what legislation they're going to put in place, what caps, quotas, what requirements for shifts towards renewable energy, uh, the banning of certain agricultural practices, as was detailed in the judgment, etc, etc. They said they're going to do this, but they didn't outline how they're going to achieve it. Now, the point was made in the judgment, or the point was argued by the government, that the science is changing on this. Look, we know climate change exists. We know that it's causing irreversible damage to our planet. But maybe the approaches to tackle climate change are changing. There's new innovations. The government argued that it might, might have been hard for them to specify in great detail exactly the measures they were going to take between now and 2050, which is just under 30 years away from now in in light of that. Do you think that's acceptable? Even though they themselves created this obligation on themselves, which is kind of ironic. Kind of one of the only times I've ever heard the government's actually saying they have to do this and now being held to account. Like they, like, yeah, the science might be changing and, you know, we might find different ways to combat it, but we still have to do it. And you have to like, and you know, in the next five years, there, you can do a lot. Like you know, as 
So our emissions dropped by 6.8% this year, largely because of something else, you know. And isn't it shocking that it was only 6.8%? Yeah, it is a bit. It's important to uh, recognise here as well that um, the Supreme Court's decision is an appeal that came from the High Court. And the High Court actually fell on the side of the government saying that it was important that they enjoyed broad discretion so as to tailor their plan as new science became available, as new methodology became apparent so that they could best achieve this goal. But um, I think that gives way too much leeway to the government here to kind of manipulate the the circumstances so as to say, well, we can't possibly do this now because of COVID or we can't be expected to do it because we have more pressing issues, more pressing issues such as social housing or whatever the case may be. So it kind of takes a back seat in importance because they don't. The, go, uh, the the public doesn't have a specific scheme to point to to say, well, you promised to do exactly this, or you promised to take this specific measure. It's just a very broad, overarching goal or objective. And of course, there is a huge degree of urgency here. This is not something that kind of can be parked or shelved, like let's say the Metro North pro- project or, or or the extension White of the Lewis. Yeah, exactly. Or the extension <laughs> of the Lewis line. This is not something we can come back to in twenty years and say, well, we've had a few inquiries, we've had a few commissions, we've had a few budgetary panels, and after all, we've had to scale it back by fifty percent, and it's going to cost and take way longer than we expected. Um, this is something that needs to be done now. So there is a an impetus on the government's part to develop plans that are going to work now but are also going to work in the future. And I'm really glad to welcome Greta Thunberg onto this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pierce, you just arrived in your Rolls Royce. It's, it's funny that you're... It's a, it's a hybrid. Uh... The legislation in 2015 is treating climate change as a different issue to everything else in that it's saying we have to treat it as something that is, you know... I guess bipartisan is the wrong word because it's kind of omnipotent. It's kind of an umbrella issue that transcends politics. Transcends politics, but transcends all political issues. It has to be taken into account in all political issues. Politics, like let's be real. Now the science was gone through, or the kind of gravity of the situation was addressed in the judgment at length. Really explaining, you know, what our obligations were, not only under national law but also under EU law. And we're a signatory to the Paris Climate Accord as well. It seems that there is a, a, at least an effort to sort of take this out of, I guess, political hands. Like, it's not this isn't simply this executive. Like, we do remember, have to remember, the government changes every five years. This legislation is going to last as long as the state lasts, unless it's repealed, which I doubt they will. But is it perhaps a more cynical move on the part of more established parties that have recognised throughout Europe and indeed in Ireland that environmentalism is becoming less of a fringe issue and much more of mainstream political concern? And we've seen that with the rise in the Green Party, with the rise in smaller left-wing, more environmentally concerned parties, Social Democrats and whoever else. Is it the matter now that they're saying, well, look, we're all concerned about the environment, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, and we are bound to be concerned by it because there is a legislative scheme in place which says we have to do something. So you don't have to vote for the Green Party to put in, uh, to build greenways or to um, curb the use of, of fossil fuel energy. And if we look at it now as it stands after the Supreme Court decision, we now have no statutory plan in place to tackle climate change. Is it is it the case that an aspirational plan, albeit very vague, very uncertain, is better than no plan at all? I understand where you're coming from, but I do think that democracy, not at its best, but definitely not at its worst, in that there is provision that said that uh, you know, a reasonable person 
should be able to understand scrutinizers plan it's not just going to be some sort of like legalese that you know this podcast was set up to try and break uh, down break down but there is definitely merit in holding a government to account in what they said they'd do like i know what you're saying about it like is a kind of vague plan better than no is not a vague plan not better than a no plan but i guess is a bad plan that nobody's going to do anything about is a vague plan a plan at all? Yeah, if yeah, it's I, if it's yeah. just words on paper, look, effectively that's a that's more of a policy issue. Really, what Frank Clark was deciding here, and it's very clear if you're listening and you're you're wondering whether the Supreme Court was was looking at the plan and was querying whether they were sufficient steps to achieve carbon neutrality or whatever. That was not the case here. The Supreme Court was merely saying, here's what the 2015 law says. You have to have a plan that ordinary, interested, reasonable people will be able to read and understand what the government's approach is. And here is what the government's plan was, the proposed plan was. And it was so vague that it didn't meet that threshold. So this isn't the court evaluating the merits of the plan. It's the court holding, as you said, Alex, the government to account on their promises. But isn't it important to note as well that we're, we're dealing with two plans here because the initial case brought by the uh, Irish Friends of the Environment concerned a 2017 statutory plan set up under the 2015 Act. But as we mentioned in the intro, while this was coming before the High Court, the government moved towards a different plan, the Climate Action Plan of 2019, which was not set up under the Act. So is that a kind of a cynical attempt to usurp the requirements of the 2015 Act that it is a specific plan as opposed to a more general policy proposal? It gets them out of the remit of the Act if they just say, because then it becomes just a manifesto, really. Mm-hmm. Mm. And of course, that, that ties into, and you, you, we were talking about policy there, whether the courts had a right to review this decision. Was it a matter of law? Was it a matter of policy? And the Supreme Court eventually did hold that it was justiciable. So is there a constitutional right to a healthy environment? We'll tell you what the court said about that in the next couple of minutes. But I want to let you know that we're teaming up with Claris Press, one of Ireland's leading legal textbook publishers. And each week over the next four weeks, we're going to be giving away a brand new textbook. This week, it's Claire Michelle Smith's book, Principles of the Law of Equity and Trusts in Ireland. It's an essential if you're planning to do the FE1s where you're going to have to sit and examine equity. And for your chance to win... Head to our Instagram page, legally underscore fond. You'll find instructions on how you can enter there. We might move on to this issue of standing. So this is the idea that, just to give listeners background, I'm I'm conscious that it's season three, it's a brand new season, you might have just discovered the podcast, or you might be listening because this is our collaboration with the SU for Green Week, and you might never have heard a law podcast before or never step foot in a law lecture. So just to give you a little bit of background, there are a series of rights guaranteed by the Irish Constitution. If those rights are breached by the government or by other people, you can go into court and you can say my rights have been breached. I want money in the form of damages as compensation, or I want the court to strike the law down because it's not consistent with the Constitution. If you listen back to our second episode, Constitution on Crack, you'll find out all about how this works. But let's talk about this issue of standing. This is the idea that if you want to go into court and you want to claim that your rights are being breached, the law that you are challenging has to breach your rights in a particular way. You can't go into court and say, strike this law down, please, because somebody else's rights are being breached. It has to affect you in a particular way. 
First of all, what do we think about this particular principle? Well, from a from a pragmatic standpoint, from the uh, the perspective of judicial economy, it makes complete sense because you, you know that we have a finite number of judges in this country. We have a finite number of courtrooms, and you know cases, as we've seen, can last years. There can be an incredible plethora of evidence that comes forward, and they can be delayed uh, and appealed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If people are just being frivolously litigious and taking cases solely to kind of obstruct the work of the courts, very valuable and very important cases that should be prosecuted or should be brought to judicial attention fall by the wayside. And so society as a collective, as a whole, suffers because the courts are filled with cases that really aren't on the same level of importance as some other ones. This case was particularly interesting because it wasn't one individual taking the case. It was Friends of the Irish Environment, who are a campaigning, non-governmental organisation comprising a group of people. Now, an organisation is obviously not one human being. It's a collection of human beings. But the organisation in itself is this kind of legal being. And one of the questions which the court had to consider was, can an organisation have personal rights under the Constitution? Like the right to life or the right to bodily integrity. From this case, there does seem to be quite a, like, a wide range of people who could possibly sue or, like, take the government to court over something like this. So there isn't a specific right to the environment in this case. They said that it was too vague. It'd be too hard to uphold. However, they did say that something similar can stem from your right to life or your right to bodily integrity and, you know, how the government pursues this climate action plan or how the government implements certain measures in in anything, that, you know, a right to a healthy environment essentially derives from these two rights that are already recognised of life and bodily integrity. Yes. Friends of the Irish Environment is a campaigning group. It's a lobbying organisation that has, for years, been lobbying the government to take action on climate change. They're entitled to do that. That's what their purpose is. By coming into court and suggesting that rights have been breached and and trying to sue the government. Some people might see this as politics through the back door as such, that this is a political organisation that is going to the courts to try and make a political point or try to advance advance its uh, political agenda. Perhaps they're perfectly entitled to do that. What do you think? It is. I don't think, you know, we kind of treat like something political as like a dirty word. Like ultimately it is a political agenda. Like there are people who would object to weigh, you know, this climate action plan for numerous reasons. You know, there are other vested interests involved in this. But the fact of the matter is that legislation was passed that said the government had to make a plan and a specific one that people could understand. Now, like the courts aren't saying how to implement this plan. The courts aren't saying, you know, how to balance rights and proportionality, which is a whole other kettle of fish. But it's just saying that they have to, I think politics through the back door Maybe, but the legislation is already there. They're not trying to create new legislation and force it through the law. This is just something that's already in existence. Yeah, and they are ultimately holding the government to account. Like you say, the government, um, if they have an issue with this legislation, the only crowd they have to blame is ultimately themselves. They passed this. They imposed this obligation on themselves to hold the government to account and to expect them to be good on their word and uh, fulfil the promises they made. If that is an inherently political activity, so be it. It's also an inherently healthy one in a functioning democracy that you expect you expect these representations to be fulfilled and to be done properly. And I guess that's what our constitution demands. Our constitution says we're a democracy. We can have that level of accountability. And yet, like, we all have our own politics. We all think our own politics are good. Anybody who says they don't is lying. 
or is just like naive to their own politics. You know, just because you know you call a, a green movement political doesn't mean necessarily that it's bad. Now to move on to the last bit of the judgment, and this is a pretty interesting part of the judgment. If it was decided the other way, it might have big, big implications for this kind of litigation in future. And this is the idea that there would have been a right to a healthy environment in the Irish constitution. There was a case a couple of years ago, I think it was 2015, in relation to Dublin Airport and the second runway and and people, locals had objected to them constructing the second runway. And the judge in that case said, it doesn't say anything in the constitution about this, but I believe that there is a right to a healthy environment in the uh, Irish constitution, an environment which is consistent with human dignity life and and well-being. This is known as an unenumerated right. So it's not specifically written in the Constitution, but it can be kind of implied from other things in the Constitution. It can be read into the Constitution by judges because it kind of fits into the overall constitutional structure and values. Now, this was kind of controversial because this right to a healthy environment didn't exist before this. The judge didn't, with great detail, define what this, the extent of this right, and nobody knew really how it was going to be used in future cases and who was going to try to use it. So in this case, the Friends of the Irish Environment come along and say, there is a right to a healthy environment in the Constitution and we want to assert it. This is kind of a controversial idea because it allows judges to just find new rights in the Constitution. And those rights might actually impose duties on other people. Duties that they didn't know they necessarily had before they came into court and before the judge told them that they had those duties. A concern that I would have is um, obviously there are different tiers of rights, the, the most fundamental being those that are um, that are codified within the Constitution. But if, if, if a judge reads into the Constitution and finds for a, a right to a clean environment or a right to a healthy environment, uh, where does that stand in relation to, let's say, the right to work, the right to earn a living? People in Ireland who are employed in environmentally unfriendly industries, gas extraction, um, turf cutting, fracking, etc., etc., these rights are inherently at conflict because their exercise of their right to work, to earn a living, um, to have a professional lifestyle goes inherently against others' right to a clean, friendly, safe environment. Um, how do you balance those in, in, in determining these cases? There's obviously a certain degree of caution that, you know, you need, especially when kind of discovering new rights because people will ultimately, you know, uh, take advantage of it. In this case, the Chief Justice who delivered the Friends of the Irish Environment judgment was at pains to say that judges don't just pick out rights from the constitution that they think are good or that they would like to see in the constitution. It's really important that unenumerated rights only come from rights already written in the constitution or from the values of the constitution. So he says don't look at them as unenumerated rights, look at them instead as derived rights. In other words, rights linked to things already written in the constitution or derived from things already in the constitution. The court did seem to not say no, new rights can't be found, but did sort of emphasise that there is a limit on what, you know, a court can do. There is a limit on what a court can say, and it has to be clearly derived from an existing right or a very clear value that we have. But even then, there's issues in that, like, you know, if you look at the foreword of the Constitution, like, we are, you know, Christian democratic nature of the state, which was, you know, the basis for numerous decisions... And it's interesting when you read the judgment and Frank Clark, the Chief Justice, talks about where you might find 
new rights or derived rights, as he says. He says they might come from the values of the Constitution, such as the democratic nature of the state. Now, usually the phrase that would have been used in these cases over the past 30 years would have been the Christian and democratic nature of the state. Just interesting that he's recognised how Ireland has, I guess, secularised over the past two decades, particularly. From anybody who's forward, it's fairly, you know, that's part of the evolving nature of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Living, breathing document is a quote that's been plagiarised to death. <laughs> there is still merit in discovering new rights but there is again it's always that sort of middle ground that balancing act that you have to find of whether something is really there are you just making it up does it actually come from the words that are in the constitution like you know we know life liberty and property rights are really really explicit other rights can come from that but you just have to be so clear and careful about where you go from there yeah and i i guess the fundamental point to take from it as well is that rights don't exist in a vacuum they interact with other rights they have uh, repercussions on the exercise of other rights and essentially no right is absolute in its exercise as well and ultimately judge clark as we mentioned said that the idea of a right to a healthy environment is too vague it can only exist to the extent that it vindicates the right to life or the right to bodily integrity which are two already established Right. So I guess if we look forward at the next, the, the period between now and 2050, there could be many similar cases like this, challenging other plans like this or just challenging separate environmental legislation. Organisations like Fr- Friends of the Irish Environment aren't going to be able to go into court and make arguments based on constitutional rights or personal constitutional rights. Individuals aren't going to be able to go into court and say, I have a right to a healthy environment and this is being breached by whatever action it is. So how much does this do for the uh, the cause of climate change? But it doesn't say you can, but it doesn't say you can't at the same time. It does leave the door open for cases like this to come in, un- in under life and bodily integrity. But you can't just come in saying environment while hugging trees and stuff. Like there has to be a kind of tangible link really to the constitution itself rather than just coming out and saying like, I have a right to clean water, I have a right to... So if you live next to a factory and the factory is you know, polluting onto your land and you're inhaling toxic air, that probably affects your right to life and bodily integrity. You've got a good argument there. We don't really know, though. This is the thing. And I was kind of surprised by the tone of the judgment in that, you know, what you'd assume is a very conservative body of the state is outlining the imperative actions that need to be taken to combat climate change, really. Well, this is the thing. It's a time-sensitive issue. And uh, I suppose the the greatest um, impetus now that that exists on the government is to develop a comprehensive plan and not to just give lip service to what may be seen as a political issue. And it certainly has been politicised, but is fundamentally also an issue that, as we've discussed, uh, has major implications on people's ability to live a healthy, normal life. So it's something that needs to be tackled now uh, rather than later. I think it was a very healthy exercise for the Irish Friends of the Environment to apply this kind of stress test and to to challenge the government on on their word and, and say, look, this isn't good enough for what is something that is incredibly pressing and that can't just be brushed aside with a kind of vague and non-specific plan. And look, the Greenstein government will have wolves roaming around <laughs> Phoenix Park in the next uh, couple of years, hopefully by 2050. <laughs> this is in conjunction with the Students' Union for Green Week this year. We just want to say thanks to them and make sure that everybody do your part. Release a wolf in uh, Stevens Green or, I don't know, maybe burn down your local bee farm. Like... <laughs> Go vegan, even just for a day. Yeah, do vegan, you're too late, try it next year, 
go green or go home. There's loads of other events that the SU are organising. If you're listening to this on Green Week, you can check them out on the SU Instagram. It's Legally Fund in association with lawschool.ie. Thank you for listening and talk to you soon. (laughs) 